Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, you can be seated. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Thank you all so much for being here today. It's, been, it's a busy season right now, isn't it, for everybody? Yeah, trying to wrap up school and all that kind of stuff. And I know it is for us up here at the church as well. So, listen, I want to go over a little bit of background um, before we start, just in case people have missed some of the series. We've been going through the book of John. We do that. We go through the book of John. We, uh, we, are, uh, we like going through the book verses by verse. And we've been doing that since August. And we've made it to chapter 10 in the middle of the chapter. We're going to finish chapter 10 today. And so I'm excited about, about finishing chapter 10 uh, today with you guys. And so we are, um, we are going through the book. I, I've told you this, that the book is separated into two parts. And the first books, John 1 through 12, is the book of signs. That's all he did. And so we are about three or four weeks from ending uh, in the first part of the book, the book of signs. And I'm going to explain this to you in a little while, but then we go from 13 to 21, and that is called the book of glory. And that is Jesus giving his life over for us and defeating death once and for all. So you can see the importance that John placed on that event from 13 to 21. All those chapters are for that particular event. And we see a building up over time of that. John 20 verse 31 is the, <clears throat> is the main verse that we're focused on, and this is the reason the book is written. These are written so that you may continue to what? To believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. That life is not, I say this every week, that life is not just eternal life. That life is what John 10.10, and we looked at last week, John 10.10, it, it is an abundant life actually here. Start, starting here, and it goes through, because I don't know if you guys realize it or not, but the minute you give your life over to Christ, you transfer your citizenship from being someone who is here on earth. You have an earthly citizenship from that point forward. And so in reality, because God says that we will never die, we will never taste death if we are followers of Jesus. Therefore, we know that our citizenship is in heaven, and it begins now. And so he says, hey, listen, I'm not just going to give you a life that's abundant in heaven. I'm going to give you a life that's abundant here and now. Does that mean there will never be problems? No. Does that mean there will never be trials? No. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's probably the opposite. Yet somewhere in the midst of that, there is an abundance of life that we can experience. And so I want to talk to you today about John 10, verses 22 through 42. All right, 22 through 42. Now, last week, <clears throat> we talked about the two gates and how Jesus was the shepherd and we are the sheep. And I told you, sheep are really dumb, really dumb. As a matter of fact, um, I told you that sheep will not drink from water that's not completely still. It, he won't, sheep will not drink from water that's not completely still. Can't be any movement in the water or the sheep will get scared and they will run from the water. That's why Psalm... 23 says that he leads us by still waters so that we can drink from the water, so we can be refreshed, so that we can drink in that which God has for us. They're really, they're really dumb. And I told you this, I said there was two kinds of, of pens that he was talking about. There, One was out in the field 
and one was in, in the town. And I told you that the one in the field was, was one where it would be rocks and thorn and thistles all around so that nothing could get in and so they could not get out. And then I said this, and this was the most important part of the whole message. It's that because there was no door, and there wasn't, there wasn't a door on this, they didn't build a door, the shepherd himself would lay down and sleep in front of the door so that if you were going to get into the pen, you would have to go through the shepherd to do that. And I told you that there is one way into the pen and there's one way out and that is through Jesus Christ our shepherd and obviously the metaphor there is for heaven and I told you that he is the good shepherd that ushers us into the presence when we follow him this week we're going to look at the fourth the fourth festival that took place and it's wrapping up a a a, a series of events that's that's happening and you'll see here that it will be the festival of Hanukkah. Now, for those that aren't familiar with the festival, it's actually the festival of dedications. We know it as Hanukkah, the festival of dedications. It happens in December. It's in the winter months. And I want to tell you what's going on behind the scenes here. So the festival, the festival occurred because of this. Back before Jesus' time, most people think it's around 153 to 158 B.C., um, around in that time, the Greeks were seen as occupiers of the region. They were seen as occupiers. And they actually came in and took over the temple. Now, the temple is very sacred uh, to the Israelite people. But the, the Greeks came in and took over the temple. As a matter of fact, they defiled it to the point where they actually erected a statue of Zeus in the temple. And if you know anything about the history of Israel, you know that that was not something that made them very happy. <laughs> All right, the Israelites were very upset about that. And so in order to, in order to uh, really push them down further, in order to degrade, uh, uh, in order to make sure that, that, that their God, what, is what the Greeks would say, we're going to degrade your God, they actually decided, hey, we're going to have one of your Israelite people we're going to have them sacrifice a pig. Now, if you know about the Israelites, you know that pigs were unclean animals. They were filth. They were unclean. And uh, it's evident that the Israelites had never had a great bacon sandwich. But anyway, they were, they were filth and they were, they were, uh, they were that's, that is not, they wouldn't even touch them, wouldn't even be around them. They, they actually began this process. And so, as always is the case, there's always one poor staff that says, yeah, I'll do it from the Israelite people. And so he is getting ready to go up and sacrifice this pig. The crowds are gathered around. And this elderly man who is a priest, this elderly man by the name of Matthias, Matthias jumps out of the crowd and stabs to death this Israelite volunteer. And at that moment, chaos, it was chaotic. And Matthias, Matthias and his four sons began a rebellion. And they began a rebellion, and the rebellion actually ended up favoring the Israelite people so that they could restore, they could take back and restore the temple to its rightly place. Now, once they took back the temple, and once they took back their area, they wanted to celebrate. 
The problem was, was that there was only enough. They had to have pure oil, not, not just regular oil. It had to be purified oil. There was only enough oil for one night to burn, to, to, to burn the flames. There was one night. However, a miraculous thing happened. The oil continued to burn for eight days. It was a miracle. And thus, they celebrate Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. They celebrate it even today. They celebrate it. The miracle that happened with taking back the temple and the miracle of the never-ending oil, purity, oil that burned. So that's where we are. The scripture is going to tell us in a second that it was Hanukkah time. Now this is the fourth, this is the fourth and final festival that Jesus has encountered and he will fulfill. So he's encountered the festival and then he will fulfill the festival. The first one was in chapter 5 of John. We, we looked at the Sabbath. Jesus encountered the Sabbath where he healed a man on the Sabbath and he was accused of all kinds of wrongdoing. Yet he taught them and fulfilled that which the Sabbath meaning was about. The Passover was the second one. And the Passover we looked at was found in chapter 6. And in chapter 6, he shows everyone that he is the bread of Life. And it's Him. He is the bread of life. And then chapter 7 through 9, we looked at the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Tents where they would set themselves out. And He proclaimed in that time that He was, remember He did it under the lampstand, that He was the light of the world. And in chapter 9 we saw not only was He the light of the world, He brought light of the world into a person who was born blind. And so he has encountered and he has fulfilled these, every one of these festivals. And that's what we're going to see. So let's see what Jesus is up to starting in verse 22. It says this, It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. He was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus replied, I've already told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name, but you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and He is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill Him. And Jesus said, At my Father's direction I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? And they replied, We're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. And Jesus is going to flip a script here on him. Jesus replied, It is written in your own scriptures that God said to, a certain, uh, to certain leaders of the people, I say, you are gods. 
and you know that the Scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's messages were called gods, why do you call it blasphemy when I say, I am the Son of God? After all, the Father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. But if I do His work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done, even if you don't believe me. Then you will know and understand that the Father is in me, and I Amen. The Father, and it said once again, they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left them. And he went beyond the Jordan near the place where John was first baptizing and stayed for a while. And many followed him. John didn't perform miraculous signs, they remarked to one another, but everything he said about this man has come true. And many who were there believed in Jesus. What in the world is going on here? Let's take a look. The first thing you see is, is that it's Hanukkah time, so it's the festival of dedication. And he is in Solomon's colonnade. Now Solomon's colonnade is a part of the temple. And it's interesting because it's a part of the temple that actually isn't affected by the wind. The wind gets knocked down around Solomon's colonnade. It's just the way it was built. And so the teachers in the wintertime would then go and be under Solomon's colonnade so that they could get out of the weather and the elements in order to teach. It also says this, it says, my sheep will recognize my voice. And we're going to dive deep a little bit in that. My sheep will recognize my voice. And so Jesus is saying this, much like we looked at last week, the sheep will not respond to anyone's voice, it will respond to Jesus' voice. And Jesus is saying this, he's saying, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And so I know that they know me and I know them. And if I speak out, then they will respond to my voice. We saw that play out. What I wanted to do today, and I've shown this once before here, and it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing video. Is I want to show you an example of this in real life. Uh, this is from the theological site YouTube. Uh, and, uh, and it's amazing, though. It's amazing. So what you're going to see is, is you're going to see some students that are trying to learn about this phenomenon. And you're going to see sheeps out in a, sheep out in the field. And then student by student are going to come and they're going to say the same thing that the other guy's saying. Okay, They don't say it as loud, they don't say it as, but they say it. And, you can, and the sheep pay them absolutely no mind. Just keep an eye on the sheep because they don't care, they don't care anything. But something amazing happens when the shepherd stands up. Can we kill the lights and take a look at that? Is that amazing or what? If you get a chance to watch that video online, watch, because um, I just realized that the shepherd, he actually looks like Dwight from The Office. <laughs> do we have that video? Can you run that back? No, we're not going to do that, Lynn. You're not going to let me do that. <laughs> Lynn said no. Lynn's drawing a line in the sand. Now everybody's like, I wonder if it was Dwight from The Office. Isn't that amazing? Is that not amazing? So the minute the sheep heard his voice, they perked up. And we're going to take a look at that in a second. So he also goes on and tells, says this. He says, hey, listen, your, your own scriptures say that, that, that leaders are gods. And so you're, you're telling me oh, your scripture can't be altered. And so why can't it be that? And you're going to see in a second why he pulled out that particular scripture. It wasn't just because of the gods, little gods, big gods situation. And finally, I want you to note one more thing in the scripture, and it's this. Jesus is going now, and he crosses over, 
and he goes to where he goes to where his ministry first began to the very place he's come full circle in the last 3 years and he goes to where his ministry first began right there where he was baptized right where holy spirit descending on him and right where god says this is my son with whom I will please listen to him he goes back and so now going forward what we're going to see is there's one more festival that he will go to for one more time and that is the festival of passover because starting now we see and by the way the whole the whole first part of john is leading up it's a building and it's building, it's showing this miracle after miracle after miracle. And there was a foreshadowing of what happens in chapter 11. There was a big foreshadowing that happens. And we're going to start seeing this building up and building up and building up until finally in chapter 11, we're going to see Jesus show his power over death by raising Lazarus from the grave. And we're going to see it fall right into showing the time from the winter going into the Passover where he would give his life for you and for me. So let's look at what we can learn from the text today. What does it say about God? What does it say about us and what are we going to do about it? Well, here's the first thing. Jesus speaks and we follow. It's that simple. John 10, 27 says, my sheep will listen to my voice. My sheep will follow me. They will follow me. And so I wanted to go over with you because sometimes we, we get confused about hearing his voice. Sometimes we get confused about how we hear from God. Sometimes, and I've gone over these with you before, but I want you to hear this very clearly. There are, in my opinion, there are seven ways that God speaks to you. There are seven different ways that God speaks to you. And obviously the first one is going to be very obvious to you. The first one is his word. God speaks to us through his word. We know that because in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all scriptures, all scriptures are God-breathed. All scriptures are God-breathed. God so as we read, and we can be open and we know exactly what God's teaching is. We can know exactly what God is teaching us. And we can look at stories of other people in the scripture and how God dealt with them to see our own situation and oftentimes, when you open up the Scriptures, you will see, most of the time, you will see your own situation in a different light because the Word that was there from the very beginning, John 1, 1 says, the Word that was there, the Word that became flesh, that Word is there to guide and direct us and to let us know exactly what God's opinion is on life itself. That means this, though. That means when you come to a place in the Scriptures that does not fit your lifestyle, or it does not fit your preferences, or it does not fit what you think it should say, if you are a follower of Jesus, your role is to submit to the Word, not the other way around. See, we don't create... We, I say this all the time. God created us in His own image, and we've been trying to return the favor ever since. But we're not allowed to do that. We don't do that. Well, why can't we do that? Well, when we all get to heaven, you're going to understand why we can't do it because you're going to understand the greatness of God. But I'll tell you the easiest part is this, is that we are the created, not the creator. 
We are. We're not the creator. We're, we are the created, not the creator. We can't just make the scripture say something that we wanted to say. We can't do that. We have to take it for what it says. And here's the bigger thing. And understand that the word of God, the word of God was written by, inspired by, and created by the one that created the entire universe. He, all of this was his idea. And so the scriptures simply lay out the plan that he has given to you and to me. He speaks through his word. He also speaks, number two, and through his nature and creation. He does. Romans 1.20 says that we are all without excuse because nature speaks to the existence and the awesomeness of God. We are all without excuse. We have no excuse. Uh, there's, there, Faith and Doug Genovese are on a trip out west. They are. And they, they left. If you guys don't know them, they usually sit right over here. They help with the food out front. She's the one with the awesome egg salad. I'm just saying. I'm not an egg salad fan. Wendy is. Every time she goes, oh my gosh, she's got the egg salad. Anyway, so, but she's got the awesome eggs out. So they're out west, and this week she sent me a picture, and she said, hello from Bryce Canyon. And I said, oh my gosh, because Bryce, if you've never been to Bryce Canyon, you've got to go to Bryce Canyon. But I told her, I said, you've got to go to Bryce Canyon at night, because there's a, there's a pier, and we couldn't see it very well when we were there, but you could, we got a glimpse. But there's a pier at, at night, and by the way, my wife's laughing at me right now, because uh, whenever we went on the trip, I was so tired. Basically, on our trip out west a couple years ago, it was my son who, who at the time was, was getting ready to turn 19, and it was my wife. And then they drugged me. If you go back and look at pictures, they basically drugged me all over the west. All right? We hiked, and they would always be ahead of me, and I would be in the back sucking wind and trying to drink as much water as possible. That's how it kind of looked. Well, the night, they said, hey, I want to go to Bryce Canyon at night. And I said, no, I don't want to go at night. I'm too tired. I'm wore out. We did an eight-mile hike today. It was actually one of the best parts of the whole trip. Obviously, Wendy wanted to go to Bryce Canyon. I did not go to, want to go to Bryce Canyon. So we went to Bryce Canyon. And, uh, and we went out and we went, and it was a great thing. And so I told her, I, said, you, I told Faith, I said, Faith, you've got to go to Bryce Canyon at night. Because you can actually look, and it's amazing when it's clear. You can see the galaxy. Look, you can see the formation. It's, in, it's a beautiful, crazy, amazing thing. And she sent me back and she said, you know, all I keep thinking about when I'm here, and this is what I thought about too, is how incredible and how awesome, if this is just a small little glimpse of the amazing creative power of God. God was speaking to her through nature and creation. I'm not telling you to go be a tree hugger, by the way. I'm telling you to look and see the power and the greatness of God and to see, hey, I'm not telling you that the tree is, you know, some God or something. I'm not saying that. I'm telling you that God created all these things for you and for me. Uh, the third way is in dreams and visions. We see in Acts 2.17, it says that old men will dream dreams. And it talks about how, and we see in the Bible, how uh, someone has a dream and he speaks that dream forward. Uh, we see through music, God can use people's gifts and talents and he can speak to us. We know that David in the Old Testament, he would sing and he would praise and he did all kinds of things like that. And he would hear from God and others would hear from God because of his worship. And we hear from God now because of a lot of the songs that we see in, in, in the book of Psalms. And so we can worship 
And when we open up our, our spiritual hearts to worship, that's when God can really speak. The fifth way is in our circumstances. God can speak through our circumstances. So he speaks through his word. He speaks through nature and creation. He speaks in dreams and visions. He speaks through music. And he speaks in our circumstances. Going through a tough time lately? Facing some consequences of your poor choices? God can speak through those things. He can. Maybe you're having a rough time right now. Maybe, maybe the life hasn't been fair. And you know what? Life's not fair. It's really not. It's really not fair. But maybe you're going through that. Can I tell you that God can speak through those bad circumstances? It's amazing because whenever Wendy and I lost our house in a tornado in 1999, everything was destroyed. F4 tornado destroyed everything we have all the way to the ground. Nothing. We had nothing left. Literally nothing. When he did that, I could have made the choice to be bitter and angry. And I wasn't. And I don't know why I wasn't. It wasn't because I was super spiritual, because I wasn't. But I, I just, I don't know why. I just kept saying, God, no matter what happens, I trust you. No matter what happens, I trust you. And I'll tell you this. One of the things that God brought out for Wendy and I both is, is that we were, and literally two doors down from us, y'all, uh, uh, we had a child and a mother die from our home. I mean, two doors down. But we knew that we were, we, for some reason, God spared us because he had something more for us to do. And ever since then, I've been walking, literally walking in that path, saying, no, I, God, you spared me. I got more to do. I got more to do. I know I got more to do. Circumstances. He can speak through those. Also, other believers. But let me, let me warn you about this. That's number six. Be careful. Be careful about listening to other believers. Who do I mean when other believers? I don't mean, you know, the crazy lady at church who comes up and says God's got a word for you. That's not what I mean. All right? Because God can speak to you just as good as He can speak to anybody else. But God does use believers. These are people that you have relationships with. These are people that you allow to speak into your life. I know the story of David and Nathan. David, uh, David was in sin, and Nathan came to him, and he said, look, there's this rich man and, and he takes the poor man's lamb, and, and he takes it, and he has everything, but he takes this poor man just has one lamb, and he takes it from him, and David gets mad, and David was like, that person needs to be killed immediately, and he looks at him and says, David, you're the rich man. You took Bathsheba. You took what this man had. You had everything else in the world, yet you took for yourself that which, that was Nathan coming and being bold and speaking truth to David. Other believers can speak truth into your life. Here's the caveat. You have to allow them to do it. You do. Here's, my, here's the way I rate things when it comes to, when it comes to uh, whether or not I'm going to listen to someone uh, who, who I feel like God may be speaking through. Here's what I say. I say this. If this person coming to me has absolutely zero agendas, as a matter of fact, if they are risking our friendship being broken, in order to tell me a hard thing, most of the time that can be trusted. The scripture says in Proverbs, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. What does that mean? It means when a friend comes to you and says, hey, listen, this is what I see in your life, and I'm not trying to be super spiritual, and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but hey, I think this may be something you need to look at, most of the time you need to perk up and listen to that because it was hard for that person to say it. It really was. 
Then, of course, the seventh way is His Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's that deep inner voice down inside. It's that check when you simply know deep down that something's wrong, you know, that, that something's, something's not there, or that something is right. I had this happen last week. You know, there was a hard decision that had to be made, and I just could not get past this thing. I just had this check in my spirit, and it bothered me so much. And I was like, man, I've been praying about this, and I've been really looking and trying to seek God and seeing what God would do. But I was like, I, I, I cannot go to the next step. This is bothering me to this point. And so I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and I feel like, I feel like Holy Spirit was pulling me just a little bit back to say, hey, let's, you know, you know, you know, let's pull back just a hair. And I, luckily, I've learned to listen. I didn't always listen, but luckily I've learned to listen to that voice and say, yes, I'm going to trust you in this, that you have my best interest at heart. Here's the thing, you guys. All of these things are great. All of these ways God can speak to you is great. But here's the problem. If God is speaking to you and you're not following, then it's worthless. It's worthless. He can speak to you all day. But you're the one that has to listen. And you're, it was interesting. Uh, I'll tell a story. Um, our son came in Friday and hung out with us for a while. It always great to see him. And he came in, but I remember the story. Uh, back when he was about six years, I think he was six years, six years old. He was a holy terror at six years old. Um, he, he went from terrible twos and terror. It was all the way terrible right up to fifth grade. And then all of a sudden he became a pretty cool guy. Uh, but he literally, he was terrible twos, threes, four, five, six, seven, eight. I don't know when he turned fifth grade, but it was awful all the way through. It was, he, he was. He would do some crazy stuff. And this particular day, my son uh, thought it would be great not to listen to his mother. And they were in Coles. And um, they were in Coles. And he uh, decided he would not listen to his mother. And so he slipped off. Um, like... Blake had the ability to do that. You, you, he, he would be there one second, and you would look at a price and look, and he would be completely gone, and there would be not a trace of him. He did that all the time. Um, and he did, and my wife panicked, as I would have panicked. Y'all, they had to shut down Coles for 25 minutes. They shut the doors to Coles. They called a code, code yellow. They should have called it code ginger. Because Blake was a mean little redhead. Um, but he left. He had left. And they shut the doors. They had people standing at the doors. They would not let anyone leave. I, I told him, I said, look, if they abducted him, they'd bring him right back. Promise you. Ten minutes, they'd be right going, look, just take him back. Here, here's 20 bucks. Go get him a Snicker bar or something. But anyway, um, he, he did. And we, they could not find him. And they yelled at everyone, Blake, Blake, Blake. And they go all the way back. And he was hiding underneath one of the racks back there in the Christmas section. So, that was not a good day for him. Let's just say we used the flip-flop on him that afternoon, okay? I know, everyone else is like, oh, I like your flip-flops. Blake hates them. He still does. He's like, I hate those flip-flops. So, but, uh, yeah, that was a bad day for him. And Wendy came home. She did that quite often, actually. She'd come home and she'd be like, Get your son. I'm like, why is it my son? On good days, he's your son. Bad days, he's my son. What's up with that? Uh, and I would speak to him, and I'd be like, son, you can't do that. Why'd you do that? I don't know. That's all he always said. I don't know. So I, I do encourage you guys. He's a pretty good kid now. He does okay now. All right. He hasn't hid amongst the Christmas stuff in a while. 
But what's the point of that? The point is this. Hey, listen, man, God can speak to you. Winnie could have yelled until Blake decided he was going to be found. He wasn't going to do it. And the same is true for us. We can, want, you know, we, can, we can hear God and say, oh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And then we don't do anything. And I really feel like, I've said this before, I really feel like, man, when we get to heaven, I think there's going to be things you're like, gosh, man, I see now what I should have done. I see now that I should have listened. I see now that I should have followed. I see that. And I think that's going to happen. The second thing I want to tell you is this, is that Jesus completed what others failed to do. I told you that in, in John 10, verse 34 and 35, he uses the word gods, but that references Psalm 8, 82, 1 through 8. And so, Lynn, I think you're going to bring that up for me. Psalm 82, 1 through 8 says, God presides over heaven's courts. He pronounces judgment on the heavenly beings. And then it says this, How long will you hand down unjust decisions by favoring the wicked? And then it goes, Give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and the helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. But these oppressors know nothing they are so ignorant, they wander about in darkness while the whole world is shaken to its core. I say, and here it is, you are gods, and that's what Jesus was referencing, you were all the children of the Most High, but you will die like mere mortals and fall away like every other ruler." Rise up, O God, and judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. And let's leave it at that. What was he saying here? Here's what he was saying. He referenced Psalm for a reason. Here's Jesus' point to them. Your own word say that you are God's. Why would you have a problem with me saying I'm the son of God? What he was really saying is this. Your own word said you're God's. And you know that psalm. And you have failed to do what the leaders should have done all the while. It says, stand up for the poor. Help those that are oppressed. Bring justice. And he's saying, I am doing what you refuse to do. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing what you refused to do. I showed justice. I showed grace. I gave to the poor. I healed the sick. And on and on and on. Jesus is saying, you who are also supposed to be God's helpers, you did not do what you were supposed to do. And the final thing that comes out is this. And we know this is true. Jesus' greatest testimony was his own actions. His greatest testimony was his own actions. John 10, 41 and 42. Let's see what they say. He says, hey, listen, and many followed him. And they said this, John didn't perform miraculous signs, they remarked to one another, but everything he said about this man has come true. And many who were there believed in Jesus. Jesus' greatest testimony were his actions. He ushered people into the kingdom because of his actions. It's how he loved and how he cared and how he showed grace and how he showed mercy and the things that he did. 
His greatest testimony was his own actions. He even asked, he said, listen, at the Father's direction, I have done many good works. Which one are you stoning me for? Which one are you stoning me for? What are you trying? Look at my actions. And in the end, they realized Jesus' actions speak for themselves. His greatest testimony is his actions. And they speak for themselves. And it said, and many, because of those actions, many who were there believed, believed in Jesus. They believed and they would live. They believed. Can I tell you that you and I are no different? Our greatest testimony is our actions. I told somebody this this week. I said, I wasn't scared into the kingdom of God. I was loved into the kingdom of God. Because of other people's actions. I was loved into the kingdom of God. If Jesus' greatest testimony was his actions, and we are followers of him, it would only make sense that our greatest testimony is our actions. And so my question would simply be this as I close. What's your testimony, and what are you going to do about it? Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for just your, your testimony and your, the, the way that we see that you lived your life and you showed us who you were, Lord. God, I do pray that you would show yourself to be the great I am that you proclaim to be, even in these verses, that you and the Father are one. God, our minds are sinful, and God, our hearts are sinful, but Lord, when you touch us and we follow, when you speak like the shepherd, when you speak and we listen, God, you do something incredible. You change our heart from the inside out. And so, God, that's what we need today. We need a change of heart from the inside out. What does, God, our testimony say about our lives? And furthermore, what does our testimony say about you? Lord, the fact is, is that as followers of Christ, we are a walking resume for you. Let us walk well, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a final song today. I know there's some people that may brought things here that, that, you know, you came here and you got up and you said, God, I can't do it on my own, so I'm going to go and I'm going to worship and I'm going to listen to a word and I'm going to praise you. Don't leave with that heavy thing. You can bring it up here on the altar. There's people going to gather around you, going to pray for you. Maybe you're looking for a church home. During this time, I encourage you to come down. Come down. We'll talk to you. We'll, we'll chat with you. I'd love, love to see our church continue, our family continue to grow with people of God who are saying, you know what? That's what I want to be a part of. Let's let God do some work. Let's stand up and sing our worship song. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. 
We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.